We're going to talk about planning today. This young man, he graduated a college out there in one of them southern states. I'm not going to mention the state. And he went home to put into practice what he had learned. And he took up agriculture, planting and growing. But he wanted to have a chicken farm, so he bought a thousand little chicks and he planted them. They died the next day. So he couldn't figure out what was wrong. Then he woke up with another bright idea and he got another thousand chicks. This time he planted them head first. They died. Now he's upset. He feels that all that time in college and all that money on tuition was a waste. So he texts his dean. He sends an email, writes a letter, makes phone calls, and leaves messages about how all that schooling was wasted. How come none of this produced a harvest? And then the dean finally answered him and said, you know what, I'm so surprised that you learned nothing while you're here. I don't know if I can help you. You know you should have sent me a soil sample. <laughs> We're talking about planting today, man, and how to plant and who we plant to. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. Matthew 9, 36 to 38. And in there, say amen when you have it. That was very nice of Sister Felicia to come up here and promote Vetti. We need to learn our word. We need to learn our word. We have to memorize our word because it's the word we need to stand on. If you want to have victory in your life, if you want to be a good disciple, a Christian, we got to know the word, amen? Nine, say it. When you have it, please. And Jesus, throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, what was he doing? And proclaiming the gospel. What was he doing? In the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He was healing. He was teaching. And he was proclaiming. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, I'm going to try to do something that I usually uh, don't do, but I have nothing less than the utmost respect and love for you, Sister Chella, and our pastor, Pastor Esteban. I believe without a doubt that they are the team for this church for today and for our future. Amen? Amen? It's been nothing less than a pleasure to be here. And I see nothing but pleasure in the future. Thank you. Of course, the pastoral team, thank you very much. Amen. And you, church, you, church, it's a great honor to be here for you. Amen. You see, you see here that Jesus was looking out across the multitudes. Wherever Jesus went, most of the time there was multitudes. There was crowds. There was a lot of people following Jesus or where he was. Jesus didn't want to be alone. 
He did not want to be alone unless he was going to be alone with his father. He lived with 12. He shared his inner circle with three. But he was always talking and teaching the multitudes. And here we see that he looks across at the multitudes and he refers to them as sheep. He refers to them as sheep without a shepherd. We see that he was moved with compassion. You see, I believe that his heart was a little bit concerned about these sheep that looked like there was nobody there caring for their well-being, their spiritual well-being, that nobody was there caring about them like a shepherd should, therefore that these sheep were in danger. You see, Jesus also made the statement that there wasn't enough people or workers or shepherds to help provide guidance and protection for these so-called lost sheep. You see, Jesus made the statement that we need help in evangelism. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Sheep without a shepherd are at the mercy of the wolves. Sheep without a shepherd are easily prey for the bears or any other hungry beast. When a sheep is connected with the herd or the flock and the shepherd is there to protect them, we all know that David killed a bear and David killed a lion while he was out in the shepherd field protecting the, the sheep and being a little shepherd boy. That's what a somebody that has been given the task to watch the sheep does. They protect them. But these look like they had no shepherd. So now they're easy prey to the wolves and the bears and the lions or any other creature that's hungry, especially when a sheep starts wandering. You see, this is the condition that Jesus saw the flock of sheep there, the, the herd of sheep, the, the people, the multitudes. He's seen that they did not have a shepherd. In other words, man, they weren't in the group. They did not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. People without Jesus as their shepherd are at the mercy of the devil, just like a sheep without a shepherd is for a lion or a bear. An unsafe person will wander aimlessly into dangerous situations one after another. Some of us know this personally. But the worst thing of all, my friend, is not only that they'll go from one dangerous spot to another wandering aimlessly, but the sad truth is, is that they might die without knowing Jesus Christ. They run a risk of dying without Jesus Christ. That's referred to as the second death in Revelation 20, for those of you that want to study. This statement that Jesus made occurred 2,000 years ago. What we're reading here today in Romans, in, in Matthew uh, 9.36, was over 2,000 years ago. Do you think the harvest is even more wider right now? How wide do you think the harvest is right now? For us today. I believe the harvest is ripe and ready. Week after week from this pulpit. Week after week we hear Pastor Esteban. We hear the pastoral staff here. We hear Brother Eric 
trying to encourage us, trying to get us to go and tell this lost world about Jesus Christ. We hear about that we need to help build the kingdom of God, that we need to spread the good news, that we need to spread the gospel to those that do not know. That way, perhaps we can get sheep here where they belong with a shepherd. Amen. Without evangelism, any church eventually will dry up and die. It doesn't matter how big the church is. It doesn't matter if the pews are full or not. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money is in the bank. Without evangelism, it will die. Having said that, on the same note, any Christian that doesn't have the task in hand to spread the gospel to somebody that is lost, somebody that is wandering lost, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, a Christian without that in his heart will also dry up and die, just like a church. Amen? You'll die spiritually. We face the same difficulties today that Jesus faced over 2,000 years ago. The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. We need people that will do the work of evangelism, to do the work as a, of an evangelist. A lot of us are going to say that I am not an evangelist, okay? And over here, when we think of evangelists, who do we think of? <laughs> Brother Eric, Brother Daniel, Pastor Esteban, correct? But we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. There's two places that we need to do evangelism. One's in the church. One place is here in the church that we need to evangelize. We might be saved, but we got to be told the truth, that there has to be change in our life, and there has to be discipleship, in our life. We have evangelists that have the call upon their life and they go from church to church to spread that news. And that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the evangelism that every one of us as Christians, as children of God that are disciples of the good Lord and Savior are called to do, but take the world, the word at to the streets. That's the evangelism I'm talking about. Amen. We face the same difficulties that Jesus did. Do we realize how many people that are out there looking for an answer? They need a church. They need to come under a shepherd. They need a flock. There are people everywhere that are starving to hear the good news. There are literally multitudes everywhere of people who are fed up with living a life without Jesus Christ. I know I was one. I was tired and sick and tired of being tired. There's people in need to hear the good news. A lot of people, we have the good news. We got the goods, man. We're sitting on the goods, okay? We got the good stuff. They're out there looking for it. They're out there looking in all the wrong places for it. We got the answer. 
People are looking for answers in relationships. They know that they need love, but they're looking for love in all the wrong places. They know that they need a spiritual uplifting, but they're finding it in all the wrong things. They know that they need to hear counsel, but they're going to the wrong sources. Uh, Doctor whatever on the TV show is not the source of answers, my friend. Your brother-in-law or sister-in-law ain't the source of answer if they're not coming from the Bible or they're not in church, my friend. Your friend, your sister-in-law that you might call that's not in church is not the source of the answer if it's not from the Bible, my friend. We know the way. We know the true source. We know the answer. We know the only person that can fill that void in every lost soul's life that only the love of God can fill. It is our responsibility to go. It's our debt. We owe it. How many people here pay your debts? How many Welchers? Raise your hand. We owe this. This is our debt. This is our due to bring others into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. What is the kingdom, my friend? What is the kingdom? Well, you know what? The kingdom is wherever there's a king. We serve the most high king. Jesus Christ is here right now, my friend. We are part of his kingdom because not only were we saved from destruction, not only were we saved for our sinful life, but now we have a king that we serve. We have a Lord and Savior, and we we need to tell the lost world out there that the kingdom is near. It's only as far as accepting him in their hearts and life as their king and savior. The kingdom is at hand. That's the message that we have to tell them that it's only this far away. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is confess. All you got to do is let them in your heart, man. Let them cleanse your life. Let us love him. Let us forgiveness in and give your life to him. Make him your Lord and commander. Do what he tells you to do. Let him be your king. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is near. And that's the message they need to know. They're wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd. We have the answer and we know the way. Does God love these folks? Yes, God loves them. We know in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, we know that he loves the world. This verse shows us how much God loves people. This is why Christ came, and this is why Christ died for you and I. This is the main reason why Victory Outreach was birthed. This is why we exist, man, is not to sit in pews and thank God that we're saved and that we're no longer out there looking for love in the high and the wrong places, that we're not looking for spiritual fulfillment in a bottle or a needle, that we're not sleeping around any longer, my friend. We're not just going to stay content sitting in these pews and telling nobody 
nobody, nothing. But we exist primarily. We were birthed primarily to go back into the streets, my friend, where the multitudes are, where if we don't take the word out there, the lions will get them. The bears will get them. The other animals will get them. They'll die in their addiction. They'll die in their loneliness. They'll die as sheep, my friend, without a shepherd. That blood, I don't want on my hands. That blood, I don't want on my hands. I owe this. I'm not going to sit around knowing I got the goods and see them hurting. No good. We are to reflect the heartbeat of God for unsaved people. It is God's desire to see lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question is, do we desire what God desires? This is a question that is troubling, isn't it? It seems that from the behavior, not here, but other churches, if you were to look at their behavior, and I know that there's good, good, God-fearing, God-loving, great people in a lot of churches, but if you're just to go from the surface, it might seem that they don't desire what God wants. And what God wants is for all people to come into his kingdom. He wants all creation to come together and worship him as one body. That's the message, my friend, was we were created to be under one kingdom, as one family, as one body, and worshiping God with one voice. That's what he wants. He wants us to know the love, accept and receive his forgiveness, and go let others know that there's somebody who loves them and that they've already been forgiven. Eric shared that desire and ambitions are good, and he shared how they're God-given. But he also said that there's something we need to do about it. You can't sit back. He said you got to suit up in your mountain clothes, so to speak, and you have to climb a mountain. There's work to be done. Okay, Christianity, my friend, isn't for the lazy or weak-hearted. It takes courage. It takes courage, amen? I'm going to read something, if I may, real quick. I never set my time, so I'll start it now. It's going to rain. You guys don't have nowhere to go. <laughs> George Barna survey indicates that fewer than one in four Christians believe that it's their responsibility to witness to others. Most Christians think that it's the job of the professionals, of the pastors and the evangelists to do this. Dr. James Kennedy, founder of Evangelism Explosion, stated that one of the saddest statistics of the day is that 95% of all church members have never led anybody to Christ. It said, we are content to be keepers of the aquarium rather than to be fishers of men. Huh? Fishbowl, fishermen. We're called to go into the deep. We're called to go into the ocean. We're not to be afraid of certain things. We're not to be here just fishing in the church house. Well, we got to go get the sharks and Everybody else that if we don't let them know, they're going to be prey. The Times reporter in New Philadelphia, Ohio, reported in September 1985, it's celebration of New Orleans Municipal Pool. This is a swimming pool, a, municipal, a city pool. 
the party around the pool was held to celebrate that that summer they had no drownings or no accidents in that pool. This is the true story. In honor of the occasion, 2,000 people gathered that day to the swimming pool, including, including in that party and that gathering for the celebration. Nobody got hurt in the swimming pool, in this municipal pool, so they had a big party. A hundred lifeguards were there, certified lifeguards were at that pool. As the party was breaking up and everybody was going home after the party, the four lifeguards that were on duty to protect everybody, look out after everybody, began to clear the pool and they found a fully dead, dressed body in the deep end. They tried to revive Jerome Moody. He was 31, but it was too late. He had drowned surrounded by lifeguards. He had died with lifeguards all around him, celebrating their successful season. Huh? We can't live on the strength of past achievements. We can't ignore the great commission of Christ. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. It's heavy, huh? They died with lifeguards right there. They died when people should be there watching them. The same thing that brought Jesus Christ to make that comment that they appear to be sheep without a shepherd. Did you know that there was Pharisees right there and Sadducees? Did you know that these people were supposed to be leaders of the church? That they were supposed to be in care of the spiritual well-being of these, of these people? That they had the responsibility of caring? How come did it look like that these sheep had no shepherds when there were shepherds or supposedly shepherds around? How come this person died in a swimming pool when they're supposed to have been surrounded by lifeguards? Well, the Pharisees and Sadducees were too busy caring about their own bones. These people here at this party were too proudly interested on what was for dessert, what kind of music there was going to be, instead of doing their job, what we're called to do. <clears throat> this was not a suggestion but a command, the great commandment. Adrian Rogers goes so far to say that there are two types of Christians. There's soul winners and there's backsliders. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell, the British government began to run low on silver coins. Silver coins, they were running low. Lord Cromwell sent his men on an investigation of the local cathedral to see if they could find any precious metal there. After investigating, they reported, the only silver we could find are in statues of the saints standing in the corners of the churches to which the radical soldier and statements of the English replied, good, we'll melt down the saints and put them into circulation. <clears throat> this is what may be needed today, my friend. The saints need to have our hearts melted with love and God and we need to put ourselves into circulation. We need to make ourselves available for sheep and not just available, okay? Not just available. If we look at the message there, and we're going to look at another verse there, it's our responsibility to take the message to them. It isn't just enough that my neighbors know that I used to be on the streets and that I came from a life of crime and whatever, and now they see me get up every day and go to church. They see me go to church on Sunday. That's my testimony. That's my style of witnessing. That's not enough. We're to go tell them about Jesus Christ. 
We're to go give them the message. And then not only tell them like I did and I told them, but we got to make sure that the delivery gets to the heart of the individual. We have to let them see that we actually care about them. Would any of you listen to somebody that just handed you a message and just wanted to get a quota or so to speak, passed out so many flyers, would you have listened to them? What caught your attention, my friend? I know what caught mine was the love of God. Love is what changed this guy. What changed you, you see? And how are we going to deliver a message of love if they're obviously knowing that we don't care? They have to know that we care when we deliver this message. So we have to talk to people. We have to get up off of that thing and let people know that we know better. There are some old guys here. Amen. Can we get Romans 10, 15, please? Romans 10, 15. <clears throat> Whenever everybody has it, say amen. And how are they to preach? Let's go down to uh, 13, perhaps. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will, will be saved. If you call upon the Lord, you'll be saved. We know that's not the only way to be saved. Okay? We know that there was four people that dropped somebody down and because of their faith. But for this message here, let's look at this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How are you going to give your life to somebody? How are you going to pay the price for something you don't believe? You don't even know if it's worth it to give your life. You don't even know if it's true to go ahead and say, yes, I believe. Here's my heart and my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to be part of your kingdom. How are they going to believe? How would they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him? they have never heard and how are they to hear without somebody preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news how beautiful are the feet you see there's a lot of things right here if you look at it there's a lot a lot a lot a lot of good uh, uh, meat here if you look at it you see the first thing is that we have to realize that what he's quoting is from Isaiah. What Paul's talking about is from Isaiah. And we have promised scriptures in Isaiah. What are they? Isaiah 45 and amen. And what was happening at that time in Isaiah was that the people, God's people, were taken captive into Babylon. And he gave King Cyrus, he gave Cyrus the, to lead them out. To, it was King Cyrus that was used to get them out of that bondage, right? Okay. And what happens here is, is people were also left in Judah. Not all of them were taken. 
A lot of them were. The walls were destroyed. The city was destroyed. They came in and they just took everybody. It's like all of a sudden Hayward is just like ruins, like a, a, a German movie, so to speak. You just see buildings crumbled and you see devastation. And only a few people from Hayward are remaining here. That's how Judah appeared at that time. There was just devastation. They came in and they destroyed the city and they took most of them captive and they only left a little bit there you see and so people were always looking towards the hills people were always looking towards the hills you had people that were posted on the outskirts to look at the hills these were watchmen looking for a messenger and a messenger would come running or walking whatever the message was. If it was good news, you can tell from a far way that the messenger was delivering good news by the way he walked and talked and waved the message. Hey, I got good news for you. Your brother's coming home. Your sister's coming home. Your family's coming home. The people that were taken captive are now free. That's good news. And you can tell by the way that they're running if they're delivering good news or bad news. You see, because somebody that's walking all bomb kit. Here's a flyer. Doesn't look like he's delivering good news. Huh? But somebody that knows that Jesus Christ saved them. And they know the love of God. And they know that they've been forgiven. And you know what, man? The love of God's there for you too. And you also can get forgiven, man. You don't have to stay in locked up prisons in your mind thinking that everything you did, man, has to stay. That shame has to be your life forever. No, that prison door has been opened. You've been set free. You're no longer guilty, my friend. There's been a price paid for your life. That's good news. You see, there's a good way to preach and there's a bad way to preach. There's a good attitude and there's a bad attitude. Amen? If we're gonna find areas where we can hurt preaching and spreading the gospel to the people that need to hear it, if we don't want the sheep to come in but maybe get scattered further, then you know what? That will happen when we preach with a bad attitude. When we go to the streets, man, and they don't feel love, but they feel that we're looking down on them. When we're looking down on them like you filthy sinner, how can you be the way you are? Here's a flyer. That's going to make them not want to come to, the, to where they can be shepherd. That's going to push them farther away. I've used this before. We will produce more atheists than Christians with a bad attitude. Those mindsets almost always will interfere with the spreading of the gospel. The good news, you see, has been entrusted to earthly vessels in Corinthians who carry a precious message. This message of the cross is precious. Is pres precious. Precious, amen? But we can hurt it. We can mess it up. We can cripple it by accident or on purpose. The story of Jesus is a beautiful story, but we can mask it with ugliness by a bad attitude. We can distort it 
by human weakness. It should be the goal of every one of us to hide behind the cross and not hide the cross behind our attitude. Amen. You see, how are your feet running the race? Are you delivering the message with a happy gait or are you taking it out there bum kick because you think you have to? Are you knowing that it's your due to do this or do you think that it's a job? Really, really. You see, when he says here, how beautiful are the feet, why is he using feet and saying beautiful? I know everybody's looking at their toes and they got that bright fluorescent orange and pretty flowers look like they're from Hawaii on their toes or you might even have, I don't know, pictures of panda bears. You know, you got the little white tips on your fingers, right? Parlez-vous français, merci pour cool, and all that. But I don't think that these feet were that pretty. These feet were running through mountains. These feet were running through rough terrain. These feet had miles on them. These feet had dirt on them. They probably were all crooked by doing the work of God. These feet probably stunk. These feet probably hurt. They needed a massage. Somebody should massage Eric's feet after service, man. Somebody should wash his feet. Give him some orange and panda bears or something. Because the worker's feet cannot be that pretty. You see, but what it's talking about is when you're in prison and you're locked up and you're trapped in a state of mind of lostness and you're looking for things through this and you're looking through things through that and then all of a sudden the door swings open and you find freedom. The person that brings that news is a beautiful person. The person that brings that news got beautiful feet. Mwah! I kissed that stinky foot. Yes, that's what he's talking about, my friend. They didn't have Sue nails at that time. They didn't have pedicures at that time. They didn't scrape off all that other skin at that time. The beautiful feet was somebody that brings the good news has beautiful feet. Oh, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Now look down at your feet. <laughs> Yikes. Are they dirty? Are they dirty? How are your feet? You know, are they still in the box? Are they still in the crate? It's okay, it's all right. They never delivered a message yet. But today, today right here, it's, it's, we, we, we got another part of the message, man, about forgiveness is that today's a new day. We serve a God that forgives us for what we did before in Egypt, and we serve a God that what we, he forgives us what we did yesterday. He forgives us what we did today. Hallelujah. We serve a good and beautiful God, and we haven't been doing what we need to be doing yesterday. Today's a new day, my friend. We can get stirred up anew, and we can say, today I'm going to take the gospel wherever I go. Today I'm going to go let people People know the news. I'm not just going to expect them to think that they should already know. How will they know if nobody goes? How can they commit and if they don't believe? Who's going to go explain these things to them? We got to get in a position. Today is a day, my friend, to make a change. How are your feet? 
Or perhaps you've been doing the work, but you need a refreshing. You need a revival. You need a fresh look at things. You see, doctors, policemen, jailers, psychiatrists, they're, they're amongst the people that need more help than anybody else because they're down in the trenches working with people that need help. You see, Christians, that's why we need to be hooked up with other people that can help us work through these things because you go out, you got to come back in. You need a cleansing. You go out and you got to come back in. You got to get refreshed. You got to get recharged. It will deplete you. You see, after Jesus does what he had to do, he had to go get recharged. When that lady touched the garment of his gown, he said, who touched me? Strength left him. When you do the work of God, you're going to get tired Today, perhaps you need to come and get revived and refreshed. You see, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he saw people in need. He even said for them to pray. He said, you know what, let's pray. Let's put in a request to the Father that he'll send more workers our way to meet the needs of these people that are hurting, these people that that need shepherds to bring them information that are needed so they can believe and dedicate their lives and come into the kingdom of God. These altars are open today. These altars are open right now. Let's say you say, you know what? I want to answer the call and be a helper today. I want to I wanna be a person that not only knows that God forgives me, Let's say you want to be a person. I don't want to be a person that knows the forgiveness of God. And I just want to be satisfied for myself. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. But I want to get my feet dirty. And go out and get beautiful feet. Let's say you've been doing the work of the Lord. Come and get refreshed. Come and get refreshed. You say, I want to be used to take the message. Or maybe you want to pray for more helpers. Help us pray that more people will rise up and answer the call as a Christian. Let's say you want to pray that the harvest will grow more plentiful. That we'll get big potatoes under good shepherding. Amen. Or today perhaps you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's say today you say, you know what? I don't know the love of God that you're talking about. How can I deliver the message that I don't know? Well, come over here, let us pray for you. But then after, let us talk to you. So we can explain who Jesus Christ is and who your Lord and Savior is, amen? To enter into the kingdom by making him your Lord and King. Hallelujah. Begin to pray.